Well, good evening. If you would have noticed on the last bulletin, I was down for a Wednesday night. I've been doing a little few messages in Job, and I started off with one message a couple of months ago or a month or so ago. And <clears throat> I was down for last month as well, but uh, due to circumstances and Pastor Crockett's graciousness, he shifted me around. And then when Pastor Mitchell wasn't meant was to be at Tamworth, uh, I seemed to slot in here. So I originally intended to do a few series in Job that looked more of a Wednesday night Bible study. But it's just amazing of the Lord that this message tonight just sort of fits the church service rather than a Bible study. So you will have seen a handout that I've printed up, and my apologies if there isn't enough. <clears throat> I printed off 50 and thought, that's good, I should print another 50. So I did, but when I went to print the next 50, I accidentally hit a key on my, my computer and it uh, turned one of my words to a misspelt word. So I had 50 sheets which I had to throw away. It's very sad when a teacher presents work that has spelling errors, so very quick to point the finger. So I had to print another 30, but uh, I trust there is no spelling mistakes, and if so, you can show me later. But Pastor Crockett mentioned this morning, technology sometimes gets the better of us. That's why I've decided not to use technology tonight. <coughs> if you've got your Bibles, please turn to the book of Job. It's even printed on the back of your sheet if you have one. <coughs> I haven't gone very far in the first message that I preached on Job. You'll see an outline there, and there's some ticks next to the things that I've covered. Though it looks like I've covered a lot of topics, I only did part A of verse one. So tonight I'd like to look at part B of verse one, and that's why it's highlighted in bold on the other side of the page. But let me just read the first five verses. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household. So that this man was the greatest of all men of the East." And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Let's just pray and thank the Lord for his word. Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight to gather together as saints and believers, and I trust that's true of everyone here tonight. Thank you that we can come into your house and learn more about you, to sit at your footstool, as it were, and just to feast on your word. Lord, may you take these words, may you take the word of God tonight and let everybody apply it to themselves as, Lord, you see fit through the work of your Holy Spirit. Pray that, Lord, <clears throat> it's not my words that are said, but your words. And we just pray that you bless this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight I want to talk about the purity of Job. And I have three, sorry, four, four points. But before I get there, 
I want to just give you a quote. And the quote goes like this. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. Let me say it again. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. Sorry, controversy. The person who <coughs> wrote that was Martin Luther King Jr. I have to say Jr. because I realised there was three Martin K Luther Kings. There was Senior, Jr. and Martin Luther King III, which is Jr.'s son. And if I was to give you a little background on who Martin Luther King was, I'm sure most of you would know who I'm talking about, but he was a social activist, the Baptist minister, who played a key role in American civil rights movement from the mid-1950s until his assassination in 1968. King sought equality and human rights for African Americans, the economically disadvantaged and all victims of injustice through peaceful protest. He was the driving force behind the watershed events such as the Montgomery bus boycott and the 1963 March on Washington, which helped bring about such landmark legislation as the Civil Rights Act and a Voting Rights Act. King was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964 and is remembered each year on Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a US federal holiday since 18, sorry, 1986. This man was assassinated because of his desire to stand for what he thought was right. He stood with the poor, the downtrodden, the so-called scum of the earth. <clears throat> he was born into a world that treated him as a second-rate citizen because of the colour of his skin. And he also knew that he lived in a world marred by inequality and injustice. He was, a living, life, he was living a life as an outcast and he knew that it was not measured by the same standards as other white citizens. So this brings me back to the quote, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moment of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in a time of challenge and controversy. When I think of that, I think of Job. And I ask myself, what sort of man was Job? What sort of man was he? What measure of a man was Job? And I'm pretty sure that all of us are familiar with the story of Job. It's talked about a lot in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. It talks about the patience of Job. And we all know that Job went through a lot of hardships and trials. But we know the story that Satan was allowed to take away all that he had except his own life. Take all that he hath, Satan said, and he will curse you. That was his thoughts to God. Let's turn and look at the next few verses of Job chapter 1, verse 6. Just to refresh our thoughts on this. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, I want to stop you there for a moment. At that point, I know that God knows what's on Satan's mind. And it's like God gets straight to the point with Satan. Let's carry on. Hast thou considered my servant Job, 
that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil or shuns evil. Think about that verse. It's exactly the same as the statement in Job 1 verse 1 where if Job was the author, we're not too sure, but I think Job probably was the author of the book of Job. It's one thing telling yourself that that's what I am. I'm an upright, I'm a perfect man. But I want you to note here that God said, this is what Job is. And what's said in verse 1 is restated again. This was God's very own opinion of Job. Job 1.9, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge around him and about his house and all, sorry, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. Stop there for a moment. Just think about it. What a wonderful blessing and comfort that God looks after his own children. God places hedges and protection around his people. That's a wonderful thought. And Job experienced God's blessing, God's protection. But Satan's saying, you take all of that away and he'll curse you. Back to Job 1 verse 11. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. At this point, we can honestly say that Job had a life of comfort and ease. He was considered one of the greatest men around that area of the east. He had a high position and status in his community. He had a lot of possessions that would place him in a category of a wealthy landowner. If someone in Australia today had all that Job had, we would consider them a pretty wealthy man. Satan says to God, Let's, let us see what measure of a man he is when all his comforts, all his conveniences are taken away. His position and status, let's take that away in society and see what measure of man he is. Tonight, imagine we are in Job's shoes at this point and we ask ourselves, what measure of man or woman are we? If we define the word measure, it would simply be measuring ourselves against the rule or standard. Not my rule, not my standard, but against the rule and standard of God. And I think that's how we should measure ourselves. His law, his statutes, his commandments and his ways, that's what we measure ourselves with. So let me ask you, how would you measure up to God's standards when we are, ex when we are experiencing life of comfort and ease? You see, Job was born into a community where he was respected and probably quite wealthy. I'm sure he would have inherited a lot of things from his parents. But he wasn't looked down upon for who he was or the colour of his skin, I'm sure, like Martin Luther King was. You might compare yourself tonight and say, well, okay, how do I measure myself? Do I, how do I measure myself and meet up to God's standards? 
You might say to my, yourself, my current situation is not a life of comfort and ease. And that's what you might be thinking tonight. You might say that I have it pretty tough. Well, let me just say that whatever you're experiencing right now, there is always someone doing it tougher than you. Count the cost of Job. This is what Job went from, a life of convenience, a life of ease. But he went to a position in the community where he would have been looked down upon. You know that they all blame Job for saying, you must have done something wrong for God to punish you. Job had ten children killed in their houses and all their possessions destroyed and wasted. He lost thousands and thousands of livestock. His own health was taken from him, however not his life. And yet Job was a man that was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed or shunned evil. He was a man that experienced that, was that way when he, sorry, he was a man that had that protection and God's blessing. And that's what they called him, a perfect and upright man that feared God and eschewed evil. He was all those things when he had his comforts and conveniences. But let me tell you that after Satan did, after all that Satan did, he was still a man that was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. In all his challenges and controversy or hardships, he was still, through all of that, a perfect and an upright man, one that feared God and shunned evil. You know, one of the hard things that he had to do was even shun his own wife, counsel, in the end. Turn with me to Job 1, verse 22. So we know that at that point at Job 1, 22, he'd experienced all that, and you can read about it prior to verse 22, but it says, in all this, in all that happened, in all that transpired, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Then jump to chapter 2, verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good of the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his life, or sorry, with his lips. Let's think about that for a minute. A man who had everything, lost everything. He was perfect, upright, feared God before. He's the same going through all of that. Now let me tell you, what is the measure of a man like Job? Let me tell you, in God's eyes, he's a man that honours and glorifies God despite his circumstances. If I'm honest with you tonight, I'd tell you that I wish I could measure up like Job does. I would want my Lord to say the very words, he's a perfect, upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, escheweth evil. In today's society, we need men that are perfect and upright, Men that fear God and shun evil. In today's society, good men 
I believe, are coming harder to find. At a rate of knots, the world is shunning God, pushing him away, and men are failing to teach their children the ways of God. As we see in Job's life, verse 5 of chapter 1, he takes his priestly role of a father seriously and petitions the father in heaven on behalf of his children. Job brings his children before the altar to make an atonement and peace with God for any sins that they may have committed. You know, this is a man that's devoted to God and devoted to raising his children in the ways of God. Today's society, unfortunately, do not know God the way that Job does. We live in a society that is disconnected from God and wants nothing to do with him. The interesting thing about this is that it starts with the Christian slowly moving away from God in their hearts. And then the next generation starts knowing God less. And then the third generation know him very little. And then by the fourth generation, the very next generation, they're asking the question, who is God? I've been reading a book by Ken Ham that he's published recently. And I've got a feeling it's just this year that he published it. He's highlighting how far society has gone. If you think about the Jews, they have a very good understanding of Jesus Christ, sorry, of God and who he is. The only thing they miss is they don't believe Jesus Christ has come yet. But they understand who God is and everything about him. But if you think of the world that we live in, we're more like the Greeks who have many gods and they don't know who the true God is. They have no understanding. And so when you talk to them about God or about sin, they have no idea. They don't know because our society has moved so far away from God. You know, we need to learn lessons from Job tonight. And there's four things I want you to see. Firstly, Job was a perfect man. Job was not perfect in the way of sinless perfection, which is a false doctrine and a state of being that some have claimed to achieve. This teaching is contrary to the word of God, and there's only one man on this earth that qualified as sinless, and he is Jesus Christ the Lord. You know, there's a story, I'm not sure how true it is, but of C.H. Spurgeon, of Charles Spurgeon. One time he was sitting as a congregational member in a meeting, and he was listening to a man preach from the pulpit. And the man claimed, he said, I have reached the state of sinless perfection. I am perfect, sinless. Charles Spurgeon didn't say anything that day to him. The next morning when they all met together for breakfast... Charles grabbed a pitcher of milk, went over to the gentleman, poured it on his head. The man shot up in a rage and was quite upset that he was treated thus and basically debunked the idea of sinless perfection. He certainly wasn't sinless at that point. He got so upset in a rage and the words that he said wasn't words of a saint. I don't know how true the story is, but it highlights that we're stuck with our flesh and the only day we're going to get rid of our flesh is that day we meet the Lord in the air. But let's look at it from this perspective. Job was not 
perfect in the way of sinless perfection, but he was perfect in God's eyes in the way that he is to all men. And I can prove to you that Job didn't think of himself as perfect, even though God called him perfect. Let's turn to Job chapter 9, verse 20. He said this, this is Job's words, If I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it should also prove me perverse. Job had a desire to be perfect before the Lord. Those around him would also testify that he lived a perfect life and did that which was right. And that's the key, doing that which is right. If you were to describe him in one word, it would be blameless. Job was blameless to those around him. From man's eyes, he would have been considered perfect. And even though God called him perfect... I guarantee you, Job had his flesh with him. And you can see the need of his children making that atonement. I'm sure that he would have made atonement for himself. And why would you need to do that if you're under the banner of sinless perfection? Job knew his children could sin, and I'm sure and guarantee you by what he just said, he knows that he could sin. So not in the sense of sinless perfection, but as he lived his life, he was blameless. People couldn't point the finger at him and say, you're wrong here or you're wrong there. He had a good testimony to those around. And you know, there's other people in God's word where the people around them, as they looked to them, could not find fault. For the sake of turning, I'll just read a couple. But I'm thinking of Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were blameless in Luke 1.6, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all commandments and ordinances, and of the Lord, blameless. Daniel was also blameless and had no fault in him. Daniel verse six, sorry, chapter 6, verse 4, Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Job was living a life to those around him of one of being perfect. He offended no one. His heart was pure to God and to man. Paul says this in the New Testament about his own desire. Acts 24, 16, And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offence toward God and toward man toward men. That was Paul's desire. Now Matthew Henry describes Job like this. His heart was sound, his eye is single. He had a singleness of mind. He had one Lord and one master, one life to live for the master. No compromise to sin. Just pure obedience to God. You know, there's another thought that comes around this idea of perfect our desire to be perfect. It implies the word completeness. And James 1.4 says, But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. A commentator puts it like this, Job complete in all the parts of his moral character, like a human body with no member or organ wanting or imperfect. A man's morality 
and religion to be characterized by symmetry and thoroughness. Attention not to be given to one class of duties to the neglect of another. Job lived as perfectly as he could live in a body of sin. Secondly, Job was an upright man. Uprightness refers to his life. Inwardly, Job was perfect and blameless, but outwardly he was upright. This describes his actions and behaviour. He was upright in his dealings both with God and man. He was faithful to his promises, steady in all his counsel, true to every trust placed in him, and fully aware or accountable of all that he says and does. Think about that. He was an upright man. And I guarantee you the people that were around him knew that he was perfect and upright. Turn with me to Isaiah 33, verse 15. I want you to see this gem that Isaiah talks about. Isaiah 33, verse 15. The first two parts says this. He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly. So think of a person that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly. This is his actions. He that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hand from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. That's the characteristics of one that walks rightly. Righteously, that's the characteristic of one that speaks uprightly. I won't get you to turn there, but Psalm 37, verse 37 says, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. You know, these two qualities, uprightness and being perfect, are two qualities that complete the moral man of God. Those first two qualities describe what he was. The next two go on to describe what he does. Thirdly, Job was a God-fearing man. The fear of God reigns in his heart supreme. The fear of God is the principle that governs his whole life. When we think of fearing God, it's not being afraid of God that we tremble and hide from his presence, but more a reverence and respect for God. Matthew Henry puts it like this concerning the fear of God, concerning Job. This made him perfect and upright, inward and entire for God, universal and uniform in religion. This kept him close and constant, to his duty. He feared God and had a reverence for his majesty, a regard to his authority, and a dread of his wrath. You know, as, as a school student, I fear the wrath of an angry teacher. I fear the wrath of the principal. And I trust I'm not that scary as a principal, but I guarantee you most children in going to school feared 
I know in my family, it's funny, <clears throat> I've probably feared my mother more than I feared my father. She was very, very good with a wooden spoon. <laughs> Never wanted to get my mother angry. My dad had a totally different way of disciplining us and I really respected the way he did, but never ever get my mother offside. Hope she doesn't listen to this online. <laughs> but I respected her authority and my father's. I respected who they were in position. <clears throat> Fourthly, I want you to see tonight that Job was a man that shunned evil. He turned away from evil. You know, the fear of the Lord brings you to hating evil and departing from it. Just listen as I read Proverbs 8, chapter, sorry, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, and the evil way, and the froward or perverse mouth do I hate. Proverbs 16, 6, these are wonderful words of wisdom. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. Because he had a healthy fear of God, it drove him to, to turn away and shun evil. The two are incompatible. You can't fear God and love evil. You know, those two verses really do speak for themselves. So tonight as a man of God that sorry as a man that fears God whether it be a man or woman tonight we need to shun evil we need to hate evil we need to think of it in the way that the apostle Paul demands us to deal with evil he said in 1 Thessalonians 5:22 he said abstain from all appearance of evil i guarantee you if you want to be Totally honest with yourself tonight, that's a hard thing to do. Our flesh gets the better of us. This world sometimes gets the better of us because we give in to evil. We listen to the things we shouldn't. Our flesh wrestles with our spirit and wants to enjoy the things of this world, but remember, it's only for a season. The fear of the Lord encourages you to avoid evil at all costs. Tonight, let's be honest with ourselves and ask the question, how do we measure up to the standards and character of Job? Or more importantly, how do we measure up to the standards and the character of God? Some of you remember Martin Luther King's famous speech, I Have a Dream. It was a speech that he included his children in. He says, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. How's your character tonight? How would you be judged? Would you be said that you're just like Job, you're perfect, you're upright, you fear God and you shun evil? It's a challenge for me because I think about my life and I know it better than anyone. And I wish the Lord could say that of me. He's an upright man. He's a man that fears God. He's a man that shuns evil. 
It is a challenge to me tonight as well as anyone else. Are we men and women that are characterised by perfect in the Lord, by uprightness of heart and mind, one that fears God and shuns evil? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity tonight just to think on your word. We thank you for Job that despite his suffering, despite all that he went through, from the position he was to the position he came down to, he sinned not. He didn't curse you and die like his wife told him, like those around him who blamed him for something he did wrong. We know the full story and he got it right. Whether you bless or you take away, whether you give or you take from us, we just need to be faithful to you. No matter what situation we live in, where we are, we need to be a person that fears you, a person that is upright and perfect in all his ways and shuns evil. And I pray, in Lord, that that's the desire of my heart tonight, that I be that man of God. And I trust for the, all of us tonight that we are quick to tell others about you, quick to, to be a good testimony to those around them. May we be characterised by people who look on us as one that lives for the Lord. So, Lord, we commit this to you, we pray tonight. Work in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.